My greatest story, I can tell you, is about my best friend, Jesus. He's never too busy to take your call. He has call identification, but he'll never pass up your call. And he's on call 24 hours a day, and here's what he wants to say. If you'll come to me, I'll answer you, and I'll show you things you know nothing about. And this year will hold many things that we know nothing about. This year will hold challenges like we've never faced before. This year will open pages of life's history book like, that we've never looked at before. This, life, this year will have disappointments as well as triumph. And it, there'll, there'll be times when we'll make home runs in the, in the game of life. And then there will be days when, we, when we've struck out and there's nobody to cheer us on except my friend Jesus. And so to, this morning as we face this year... I just want to encourage you to, as we uh, face the challenges of today. One thing I do know is I, as I listen to the news media, we're, cut, we're closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been in all of time span. The Bible says in the last days, things will wax worse and worse. And even though I have always lived for a better day, our, probably our better days here on this earth have come and gone. But as I watch the division and the confusion and the lack of, of respect for our leadership today, did you know the Bible says in the last days these are the signs of the coming of the Lord? How about this? Have we ever heard of such as earthquakes like we're hearing today? And, and used to, we, we used to live in Tornado Alley. We never heard of tornadoes in areas that they're, they're going to in this hour all of these are the signs, and you can take your Bible and unveil things are pointing to one thing. Jesus is about to return. And the reason that he has the church is we're to be his hand extended. We're to live a life that would attract others, and it's not us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we're going to take a few moments this morning in the message, and we're going to, we're going to highlight something that we all have the capability of doing. As, as this search went on last year for our youth pastor, and I was greatly encouraged. Pastor, you need to find us somebody that can help carry the load. You need, to, you, need to do, you need to start looking, and in my heart I was saying, Lord, I would look if I knew where to look. I could go to the Bible seminaries and I could look at paper, but man looks on the outward appearance and you look on the heart. And, I, and in my prayer time, I began to process this. God, you said if I would depend upon you and I would trust you, you would answer my prayer. And in due season, after almost two years, God answered our prayer. Amen. And he answers prayer. And you know, I can tell you something. I've tried many times to accomplish things without the help of my best friend. And when I've, got, when I've gone from bad to worse, then I say, Lord, I throw in the towel. I, it's beyond me. I don't know how to handle the situation. He always shows up. He never rebukes me. He never, he never scorns me. He never uh, condemns me. He never tells me how stupid I am. He always puts his arms around me, and he says, thank you for inviting me. I want to help you with your challenge, and I've got the answer. And today, no matter what you're facing in your marriage, in your children, your home, your finances, or in your health, God is faithful. God is faithful to His Word. And here's what I want to tell you. You've got to believe what He says, because if you don't believe the Word, you're not a believer. And God's Word is the most powerful tool that we'll ever have. And, and it's, just, it's just filled with 
Basic instruction before leaving earth. That spells B-I-B-L-E. And this is not a history book. It's, it's relevant to today. And as we apply this, what is in this today, it helps us to do what he's asked us to do. And it helps us to be the person that he wants us to be. We're going to be talking about servanthood for the next few moments. There's nothing today that's more discouraging to us in life many times than comparing ourselves with what others are doing. You can get really discouraged when you see somebody that's elevated with more talent that you have. You can get really discouraged when you see people that can perform better than you can perform. You can get really discouraged when you see others are prospering and you're struggling in order for an existence to come to your house, the door of your home where you're living. But can I tell you today, the greatest, the greatest privilege we have is, is doing this. And that's reflecting upon the goodness of God and allowing His his precious love to spill within us that causes us to be the kind of person he wants us to be and gives us the ability to do those things that he's called us to do. Watching Jesus motivates us to serve like he served. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? The service was poor. The food was horrible. And you got up and said, they're not worth a tip. And you walked out without leaving anything on the table. Have you ever gone to some place and you could have really blessed, but because of something that happened, it was a distraction, and you knew what you were supposed to do, but you didn't do it, and you walked out and you said, you know, I'm just going to meet, the pedal just meets the, 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 pedal just meets the metal right here, and I'm not going to change it. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you hungry for the year of 2017 to do things that you've never been able to do in life before? Maybe to be a better parent than you've been, or a companion that you've never achieved. Do you have a goal in life to reach out to those that are less fortunate than we? After all, the church is not about building buildings, even though we enjoy the facility we serve in. Really, God is not concerned in this facility. He's concerned in the facility that your heart lives in. And while man looks at the facility that we worship in, and they say, ooh, and ah, and I hear this almost many times each year, there must be a lot of wealthy people that attend this church. And I said, they're all wealthy, but not all of them are wealthy financially. They just have a heavenly father that owns cattle on a thousand hills. There'll never be a money problem in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you this, this morning when you realize Jesus came into your life and all the possibilities he's given you, every miracle in the Bible today is another open door and a word of encouragement to show you that he can do miracles today just like he did in days gone by. I am so blessed this morning. I'm so blessed this morning to see Linda Hunt in the service. Her family was at the crossroads just a few days ago with an inoperable brain tumor and the doctor brought the family together, and they had to make a decision as to whether or not they would go in laser surgery and make an adjustment that would buy her a few days. No guarantees, just a possibility. And Linda made the decision for the family. She said, I'm ready to go home. Faith leaped in my heart. And the doctor said, you just have days. 
if, you, if, if we don't deal with it, and then he, he was not promising any, any greater uh, reflection after the surgery. But we prayed, and we asked God to take care of the situation. And can I tell you this morning, she's in the pew of this facility. She's not in the hospital this morning. I thank God for hospitals. I thank God for doctors. I'm, I'm totally for doctors. And can I tell you how, faith, how, how my faith works? If it takes an anison or a, or a Tylenol to bring healing to my body or come make a correction so healing can flow, I, I'm going to take a Tylenol. I'm going to take whatever it takes. If I need to go see a doctor to make a correction in my life so God can heal me, I'm going to do it. I, I'm telling you, I'm not, going to, I'm not losing my faith just because I invite some help along to make the correction in my life. Linda's in, in the building this morning. I'll never forget. I want to say this, and then we're going to the message. I, I w- walked to the, uh, I went to the house after she had came home, and I don't know, there, there was just one or two in the room. But you know, uh, the Pentecostals realize that salvation is, is the plan of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We believe that Jesus came to this world born in a barn, laid in a stable, grew up 33 years after he, he spent 30 years preparing for a three-year ministry, and then he died on the cross between two thieves. The Bible says, had he not done that, had he not shed his blood, there would be no way that my filthy sins could be washed away. There would be no way that my life could be purified other than the blood of Jesus. He was willing to do all of that. And the words that he spoke when he drew his last breath, is this, it is finished, which meant the finished works of Jesus was done. He, the, Isaiah said almost 800 years before Jesus came to this world, he said, there's one that's coming into this world. He said, he will be wounded for your transgressions. He will be bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace will be on his shoulders, and with his stripes you will be healed. Would you believe that prophecy came to pass almost 800 years ago? Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace. He carried on his shoulders, and with his stripes, my healing was paid for. And then he said, it's finished. What did he do while he was walking this earth? Did he just wait to be crucified? In Acts, the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 10, 38, I believe it is, Acts it says how God anointed Jesus with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed because God was with him. Listen, if God was with Jesus, he's with you today. Everywhere Jesus, everywhere you go, you're taking Jesus because if you've accepted him and you believe him and you've invited him in your life, he's really owns you today. You belong to him. Back to the story, I, 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 I was in Linda and... Walt's house, and I, and I said, uh, Linda, I, I woke up this morning thinking about you, and, and you know, as the Pentecostals, we believe there's an additional walk with God after salvation. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a prayer language that comes along. Some people don't go for the prayer language. That's entirely your business. There's a lot of people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit that haven't had the prayer language, and that's their, their choice. It comes along with the package. If you exercise it, it's your business. If you don't, it doesn't change my attitude toward you. But here's what happens. When I can, when I can pray the Spirit, I can pray, I can pray a prayer that my man, mind can't mess up. And I realized Linda needed a prayer that my mind couldn't mess up. 
What had caused this tumor, this fast-growing tumor? I, I don't know. What, how, it was, how it was lodged in her brain, I don't know. I'm not a surgeon. But I do know one thing. When I pray in the Spirit, I release heaven's best, and that prayer is a perfect prayer that I can release when I don't know how to pray. And you may say, well, preacher, if you're some kind of a preacher, you should know how to pray all the time. I beg your pardon. If you're a dad, you should know how to treat your wife or your child perfectly. And we don't. And sometimes, can I just tell you how spiritual I am? Sometimes I don't even know how to pray. But guess what? When I don't know how, I can pray in the Spirit. And I leaned over that where she was seated, and I, and I said, Linda, is it all right if I pray in the Spirit today? She says, absolutely. And I let, released a prayer in tongues that day, and God heard that prayer. Listen to me. We live in a world that's so confused today. I watched, I watched the media this morning, and I, I'm, just, I'm just alarmed today at how the author of confusion is Satan. And, if, and as we're facing the challenges in America today, the author of confusion is Satan. And you and I need to take authority over what's going on in America. And can I say this? It may look like an impossibility, but this world will be changed one person at a time. And you have the ability to change one person. Let's say there's 75 or 80 people here. We probably have 25 to 50 kids in the, in the uh, fellowship hall this morning. But let's just, for round figures, let's just say that this year you will, you will make a difference by changing one person. Next year, there's 200 believers that's going to have the same decision. If we make the decision, I'm going to change somebody. Would you believe next year there'll be 400 believers? So, so, they catch, so they catch the visions you have. The next year there will be 800, and, and the figures go on and on. And yet the enemy is so sly, he says, you're not able. Listen, it's not based on my performance. It's based on the Holy Spirit. Yes. And the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. So with those words of encouragement today, I want to look to a very... Very, very special scripture. It's my, one of my favorites in the Bible. I'm sure we all have favorites. If you have your Bible or your phone you want to turn, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to relate servanthood to what went on in this home. First Samuel chapter 17, we're going to read verses 13 through 17 this morning before we make our few comments. We're visiting the home of Jesse, the home where the psalmist David was born and raised. And we're going to pick up the story there in verse 13. It says, the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of these three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him was Abinadab, and then the third was Shema. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah. And I want to relate to an ephah. I looked up the definition. An ephah represents a basket. 
Verse 17, Jesse said to his son David, Now take for your brothers a basket of dried grain and ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. As we look at this scripture this morning, Jesse, David's father, said to him, Take the bushel of dried grain and the ten loaves, and I want you to go, go uh, and feed your brothers. And David noticed his assignment. It wasn't to go fight. His brothers were on the battlefield, and they were fighting. They were looking at the great giant, the Philistine Goliath. And that's where his brothers were faced. They were under the leadership of King Saul in those Bible days, and, uh, and, and Goliath had a loud voice, and he was able to uh, intimidate the children of Israel. And so they were on a battlefield, but they were paralyzed with fear. David was not sent to fight the battle. He was sent out to serve his big brother's lunch. It's common reasoning for us as we look at this scripture to focus our attention on the bag that carried the five smooth stones that David brought Goliath down with. But I don't want to go there this morning. I want to go in a different direction than I've ever been before. Uh, we're not going to go with the... David always carried the five stones that fit his slingshot. But on this assignment, Jesse said, I want you to take the basket and ten loaves of bread, and I want you to go feed your big brothers. He went that day. He went on assignment. And what he was doing, he was expressing to his brothers in obedience to his father's command, he was becoming a servant. He, 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 went, he took food. He had something attractive. Food attracts anybody, especially if it's good food. And, and, and in the bushel that he brought and the ten loaves, he entered the battlefield. And can I say this this morning? It's not what was in the bag with the five stones that brought David's promotion. It was what was in the bushel that brought God's presence and brought his blessing. The blessing that has brought Elm Grove to the realm of recognition in this community is not found in the bag this morning. It's found in servanthood. We never have an occasion to meet at this church by what somebody says, I can't believe how your people flow together. I can't believe how many people, even Jared was expressing, we had a, we had a team that put up the Christmas decorations and in less than two hours we were through, we were eating a meal and we were having some great fellowship. Last Monday we entered this building and in 50 minutes we had all the, everything down, everything was folded. It was called servanthood. And it was an, just an expression of pitching in, doing what you could, making things successful. And the blessing that has brought Elm Grove to where it is in the standing of this community today is not found in a bag, nor is it found in the authority of your preacher. It's found in servanthood. And you and I make a decision every day whether we're going to be served or whether we're going to serve. And can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to this world to be served he came to serve. He came to serve, and he went about doing good. He found hungry people. He found poor people. He found sick people. He found people that had, had lost their contact with, with, with the rest of the world. He, he went to the leper colonies. He healed lepers that didn't fit into the community, didn't fit into society. And there's where he served. And yet so many times we look for the comfort zone. We want to serve if it's convenient. We want to serve if it doesn't mess up with, with our, our, our agenda. We want to serve if it's, if it's a clean job. But there's one, there's one gentleman in this building this morning that I'll never forget as long as I live because he said something to the pastor that's never been said in the 52 years of ministry that where Sherry and I have served. 
He said, Pastor, we come to your church today. We love this church. We love, we love sitting under the ministry of this church. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want any part of leadership. But when you've got the dirtiest job that there is to do, just call me. That's what I want to do. Friend, that's a picture of servanthood. And guess what? I haven't called him yet. But I have put him on shaky ground at times. I've asked him to make a trip with me. And I didn't ask him to drive. I did the driving. He's got a lot of faith. Servanthood is what it's all about. And Jesus even said, if you want to be great, it's found in servanthood. And so many churches today, and not this church for goodness sake, it's built on the authority. I've got the authority, and I start looking for people that will do the things that I don't want to do. Listen, I have been so blessed. God has given me the ability. I just want to serve. It's fun to be served. Then it's, it's awesome just to get lost in the crowd and watch people enjoy what is God's put together. It's not about me. I, want to, I, 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 I have a, this illustration that I thought was very, very personal. And I want to ser- I'm going to share it with you this morning because it, it, it talked to me. It let me see myself. And, 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 and the preaching of God's Word, if, if the minister can't tell the truth about where we're at and what we need to do, it weakens the structure of the church. And I'm not here to weaken your life. I want you to be strong in the Lord and to power your might. It's not about position here today. We have no positions. We all have responsibilities. There's nothing like getting a bowl where the, the bathroom toilet needs to be scrubbed there's nothing like getting the deodorizer and cleaning house and you know what i'm not a slave to that i'm a servant to that because it's god's house and when i come to his house i'm telling you nothing is too good for the saints and it takes going back to the day i was connected to what was here when we came i've related this story the more i relate it the funnier it gets we had people was attending this church 38 years ago that had outside facilities so they would wait till they got to the church to do their business. Just happened so the men's restroom opened right up into the sanctuary where I would be preaching. You can fill in the blanks. We needed deodorizers at times. But you know what? It was in, it was in out of the cold I had outdoor plumbing, and there's a lot of positive things I could think about. I was more blessed than that person was. We had, we had indoor plumbing. I had lived in houses, in the ministry. My dad moved us to places where there was no indoor plumbing, and I enjoy indoor plumbing today more than you would really recognize. However, I missed out on reading the Sears and Roebuck catalogs and all the books that we used at that time because toilet paper was... Uh, was a, uh, it wasn't a necessity, it was a luxury. And, and so we'd take our, our, our old Sears and Roebuck catalogs and our, our Life magazine and Ge- National Geographic, and that was placed in the outhouse. But I was thinking about servanthood, and, and, and servanthood begins right here, and it goes through right here. Bible says a man as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I came across I, I was given this illustration among several, and it applied to me, and I want to release it to you, and you can leave it on the pew, or you can take it home with you and you can digest it in the days ahead. 
And it's this prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the people I can't change. Anybody besides me know of a few people that you can't change? Oh, come on. Lord, forgive us for lying this morning in a second. I wasn't talking about you this time, sweetheart. I promise you, I wasn't. God grant to me the serenity to accept the people I can't change and the courage to change the one I can and the wisdom to know that it's me that needs to change. Everybody has the ability to change. Everybody has the ability to, to fit in. Everybody has the ability to show up and, 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 and make things different, make things easier, or, or make things more comfortable for those less fortunate than we are. Back to David and his mission. It was the bushel that brought David to his blessing. And as we looked at the common ground that where we live today, I'm grateful that I, I'm a part of a church that wants to serve I'm grateful for every time that we have a funeral. There's always a a group that shows up and they join together and they follow the leadership of somebody who's put the food together, put the menu together, and made the phone calls in order to get help to make this a great success. And when you get together, then there's a key that makes servanthood a blessing, and that's submission. We tell this quite often at this church, but anything with two heads is a freak. There's one leader, and the rest of us are to submit. When I go to the kitchen, I'm not the pastor. I'm a servant. And these are the words that I try to express when I walk in the door. What can I do? What is there to do? And you know what? I'm not blind. The first thing I look at is the trash containers. The first, really, the first thing I look at to see if the coffee pot is on. I know, I'm gifted at making coffee. I'm gifted at drinking coffee. There's something about submitting to the one who's in in leadership. It's something about being willing to follow somebody else. And here's what the Bible says. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. And let me add add this. And be submissive to those in the leadership. Can I just meddle with you a little bit before I finish my sermon this morning? 1,500 ministers are leaving the ministry each month. They're checking out. The job in the secular world is not, not, near as, not near as challenging as it is to be in the pastoral duties. I'm not wearing a crown. I counted a privilege that God has been able to teach me. He's still teaching me. It's always exciting to draw from the strength that God can always show me. Take the low road if you want to win. You don't have to have the last word. Just stay on the low road. I'm going to help the person on the low road. So many I look at the church world today because I'm involved in the church world. And most churches, they're not like Elm Grove, but I'm saying this for the days ahead because I'm not here forever. Most churches want to hire a pastor that's got a vision. They want want a pastor that, that visits the hospital. He knows how to pray for the sick. He knows how to marry their kids. He knows how to bury the dead. But when it comes to church... The, the board wants to tell the pastor how to run the church. And listen, the church, the pastor is not to listen to the board, run the church. He's to listen to God. And then he's to impart what God's saying to the church. Right. 
And if you have a dream, a goal, and a vision, the reason this facility is built today is because there was a vision. We presented it to the church. Listen, it's important that the, the board recognizes their perimeters. They're to give guidelines. And the guideline was to me when we started this church, Pastor, we're going with your vision. But when you run out of money, we're quitting. What's so embarrassing about that? We're not getting in debt head over heels. I can accept that. But listen, when a man comes with a vision, get behind him, support him, pray for him, and make him explain his vision and make it, it require him to show him how we're going to pay for this. Can I tell you this? There's no shortage of money in the kingdom of God. And yet the enemy is so, so sly and shutting down the goals, dreams, and vision of a church because of monetary. Listen, God owns cattle on a thousand hills. And he's not slack concerning his promises. And he's never had to sell any cattle to get me out of a tight. Back to servanthood. Well, this is good. This is, I, I've been wanting to say this a long time. I'm, I'm glad you're here to hear it. David was not a fighter. I'd rather be a lover than a fighter. David was not a fighter. David did not, was not sent to the battlefield to fight. He was sent to feed. David was a shepherd who served his father by shepherding his sheep. But this day was different. How many likes different days? I don't always. There's days when I just like to say, when I've had a good day on, on Sunday, I'd like to say, Lord, let Monday be an awesome day too. This day was different. David was sent to serve his big brother's lunch. Doesn't sound like a big, big, sir, big, big uh, assignment. But it was a day when David proved himself faithful. Can I tell you? We prove ourselves faithful before we reach where we're at today. Until David was proven faithful to carry the bushel for his brothers, or the big boys, David was called to serve someone else. David was really going to find out, who, found out how it is to serve other people. David finds out who he is by serving somebody greater than he. And things today that cause the church to stand tall are these. We don't have to be seen or recognized to serve. And all the, all the congregation says, Number two, we don't have to be heard to serve somebody else. And all the congregation said, Boy, that's weak, but I'll accept it. I've heard a lot more noise from six people at the ball game this week, and I heard over 100 people this morning. But we're not complaining. We're just discussing. You don't want to hear me complain. Few want to serve someone else, but the church don't complain when they're called to serve on others. And I'm going to say this. I thank the people. When somebody's on the sick list or the shut-in list, you people are awesome. Lunches have been carried to, to, the, to the hunt home this past week. I, I want to tell you, I am so proud of our church and the way it functions. David's destiny, number four, his miracle, his victory could never be revealed until he submitted himself to others. Think about it. Who was David? Who was this, who was this shepherd boy that was taking the bushel to his brothers? Let me tell you who he was. He was already king. 
Samuel had already been to Jesse's house and looked at the three older brothers and said to David's dad, isn't there anybody else? And he said, oh, yeah, the little one is out taking care of sheep. And, and Samuel says, go get him. And when, Samuel came, when David came into, Sam, into the house and Samuel seen him, he said, that's a man. And he took a flask of oil and he anointed David's head. I wonder today, I just, you know, my mind, when I read the Bible, my mind sometimes uh, uh, goes different directions. But I wonder today if that would have happened, if he would have said, Dad, I'm not taking care of those sheep anymore. I got too old to prove who I am. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to get me a badge so people will know who I am. Samuel's already anointed me. I just, I just, you know, I just process a story that I'm sharing with you. How David would have acted in today's society had, had, had Samuel anointed David in today's world. But Samuel anointed David with oil. And David heads back out the door to go herd sheep. That's right. And then Dad says, David. Bring the bushel and the loaves of bread. I'm going to send you on a mission. And he goes and serves the big boys in little boy pants. There's a lesson here. Hey, hey, I know you're not shouting me down. It's okay. It's okay. I don't want you to, I want you to get, I want you to get the, the real picture of the Bible of servanthood. Has the art of servanthood been lost in many churches today? Not in this one. I want to make the statement today, and I hope you won't forget this part of the message. When God is going to use you in a mighty way, He'll give you a bushel before you have the power to open your bag. He sent me to a little filling station in Chester, and I enjoyed every minute of it. You won't believe this, but if it was open to the, tomorrow, I'd put my grubby jeans on, and I'd go down there and I'd say, Lawrence, I just want to make your hand today. Let, let, me say, let me just say something about servanthood. How many read the article in the newspaper when Jared was hired and brought on staff? How many saw the ad and read it? It was in the Fairview paper, or ceiling paper. Nobody? Two or three? Two or three? And, and all the titles, he said, I come to serve with a servant's heart. I come to serve with a servant's heart. Listen to me. So many times we get our eyes on what's hanging on the wall, not what's in the heart. Not read when I read that article. I thought, here I am, a country bumpkin. I barely got through high school. I had to cheat my way through algebra. Three of us did. Some of you are still taking algebra. I had to take this sophomore English over the last, the last semester because I couldn't learn to diagram those doggone sentences. And today, don't ask me what a verb and a pronoun and a noun and an adjective and all the rest of that means. There's three of us that didn't like English either. And my hat's off to you retired teachers today. But boy, you made life miserable for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to prove that I've got forgiveness in my heart for all the school teachers in this building this morning. There's several retired teachers here. 
But every time that I hear Jared say, what can I do to help you today, Pastor? He's got a degree. He, he was just hours away from teaching ag that his dad had taught all of his life. His dad's a retired ag teacher. He was just hours away from going and, and getting a good job being an ag teacher. And Jenny has a, has a degree in psychology. She, she could have went anywhere and got a job. And she could have really been employed by some preachers that need to be counseled. <laughs> Jenny, can you see... Uh, Jared and I in the morning about 9.30. But instead, they didn't come looking for a position. They came with a desire to take on some responsibility to help change this community. And I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I, I watched the giving of this church and the giving has increased ever since we have brought Jenny and Jared on board. And I'm going to say, God bless you. Thank you. But I'm telling you, the half has not been seen. God is going to take this church places. We're getting, we, I've sat down with our bus drivers and we've talked about how could we, how could we bring the youth into the service and how could we bring them in and let them be a part of what's going on. And can I say this, about 90% or maybe 95% of the kids that are attending youth and it's running between the 60s and the 70s today on an average night, how can we get them involved when mom and dad has never taught them how to open a church door? Probably closer to 95% of our youth group don't aren't attached to a church anywhere. And we're processing this board. We've had bus drivers say, Pastor, if, if you can come up with an idea, we'd like, to, we'd like to get those kids involved in what's going on on Sunday morning. But I watch the process, and things are in a processing mode, and we're going to eventually plug that youth group in here on Sunday morning, and we're going to see those stained glass shake, rattle, and roll. And we're going to teach them coming to, coming to church is not about performance. It's coming about having a good time and worshiping the Lord and holding the door open while our elders walk out the door on Sunday morning. Servanthood. 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 It's all about serving others. And I've found that there's not, a greater, there's not a greater peace that comes over my heart on the road home than when I've served others. There's not, a greater, there's not a greater contentment. You can't buy godly contentment. It only comes when you're obedient to the Word of God. When David brought his lunch to his brothers, he was, he was already king. His big brother saw him as a little shepherd boy, but Samuel had already anointed him as king. But David did one, this one thing that made David great for the days ahead. Even though he was king, he humbled himself by serving his big brothers. Don't shout me down now. I'm doing really good. I enjoy quietness. I don't get this at home. You're so good to me. It's awesome. He humbled himself. His brothers didn't even realize, wasn't even taking into accountability that David was already king. He already had his attachment. He was already ready. But can I say this? And with these words, I'm closing. His blessing came through the bushel and the bread and the serving. David never opened the bag with the five stones 
until he submitted to Jesse, his father's command. Can I ask you this question this morning in closing? Could I get you to examine yourself today? Are you submitting yourself to what Jesus wants you to do? Or are you just doing the job because you know it's expected of you? Listen, if your name ever comes up on the agenda to be elected as a board member and you can't do it as servanthood, run for your life! If you can't do it because you know it's about serving others, it's not a position. You just have to dig in there and help make the program work. If you can't do that, run for your life. And I can hear today, how much longer is it before pastoral election? I don't know. But here's what I do know. When you're a slave... You become a slave to your responsibility when you go because of your position. But when you serve others because God has called you to be a servant, you do it with joy. It's a joy. It's a joy. Every time I walk, go into the door of a, of a hospital, it's a joy. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm glad I can come in with something, something to say that is uplifting, something to encourage. I like to hear that patient laugh. I, I, don't, I don't want to talk about gloom, doom, and despair. I want to talk about the joy of knowing what Jesus can do. And he's our best friend. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And he's making intercession for us. And I always ask, always ask is there anything that I could do before I pray? Amen. Listen. It's an awesome privilege to be a part of servanthood today. And here's all Jesus says. He gives it in such, he gives it in such plain language that all of us, even though we can't diagram sentences, even though you don't know noun from pronouns, from adjectives, from adverbs, here's what Jesus does. He speaks in the kindest form of language. And here's what he says. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does that cross represent? That cross represents where Jesus died. And can I say this? Your cross will represent where you die when you decide to follow Jesus. As I close the message this morning, and Jared comes to, to bring the finishing closes, to the service if you're listening by internet today and you don't know jesus if you're listening to the message this morning and you have faced difficult times jesus says if you'll submit to me i'll give you the resistance to throw in the towel and quit i'll give you i'll give you the strength to become what i've called you to be if you'll only submit to me and today submission produces Servanthood. God bless you this morning.